0: Earlier this month, this is what my office sounded like. Wow, that was really awesome. No, I did not bring a six pack to the Globe, and if any of my bosses are listening, I repeat, I did not bring beer into the office. But I did spend some time at a bar called Lewis Cypher Brewworks in Toronto. Yes, I was on assignment. Tasting beer after beer after beer. It's a tough life. Today, on Industry Interrupted, we dive into the world of breweries, the micro and the macro. In Canada, the sale of craft beer has increased tenfold in the last decade. The beer giants have taken notice, and they are scrambling to catch up. What does this mean for the Molsons, Sleemans, and the Bats of the world? I'm Sean Stanley. First, a word from our sponsor.
1: You work hard to get ahead, so why not make the most out of your hard-earned money? Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stayahead for the latest trends affecting your financial well-being. It all started with our our love of craft beer and, uh, you know, always enjoying trying to find that ultimate craft pint. That's Alicia McDonald. Four years ago, she was a nurse and her
0: wife, Sonia, was a lawyer. Now, they're the power couple behind a microbrewery called Port Rexton Brewing. It's named after a small town on the eastern coast of Newfoundland. Alicia and Sonia left Halifax to move there in 2016.
1: We saw the success of rural breweries across Canada, and uh, we just wanted that lifestyle. We wanted something laid back, chill, uh, you know, kind of that touristy vibe, you know, high busy season in the summer and kind of a low season in the wintertime. And they got it in Port Rexton, where the population is 350.
0: The couple had no brewing experience, but that hasn't stopped them from succeeding in the highly competitive world of beer. Alicia can see the major brewers are feeling pressure from fast-growing microbreweries like Port Rexton.
1: I think that we're seeing a slow chipping away at their market share. We're, we're noticing that macro marketing is starting to gear towards the millennials. They're starting to come up with their own craft products. They're, you know, you see the, the typical hipsters in their commercials now. So I think they are feeling a bit threatened and, and I feel like they are trying to change their tactics on uh, how they market and who they market towards. Uh, but I also feel like for the most part, the macro still maintain their quantity over quality. In
0: 1985, there were just 10 breweries in Canada. By 2015, there were 640. Now we're dancing around the 1,000 mark. The overwhelming majority of those breweries are craft. All of these new brewers have the same goal. They want to appeal to consumers who like to support the little guys. They love trying new flavors and drinking lighter beers. Kyle Norrington has been watching these trends carefully. He's the president of Labatt Breweries of Canada. Kyle has seen the industry go through some major changes.
2: If I go back now, I'm 20 years uh, with Labatt, this January. You know, I've been in the business long enough to see some of these trends sort of start to pick up. I was a salesperson at the time, way back when, the, the trends in you know what we would back then call domestic specialty beers, started exploding and it kind of stimulated the market a little bit i believe and you know other brewers across the country including ourselves started looking and say wow people are you know willing to to sort of think about different types of styles of beer
0: Kyle says Canadians started craving a broader selection of beers after they had a chance to taste Alexander Keith's India Pale Ale.
2: It's as popular today
0: as Nova Scotia has always been, and those who like it still like it a lot. Alexander Keith's may have opened the door, but it's hardly a craft beer. It started brewing in Halifax in 1820 and was acquired by Labatt in 1971. Keese began exporting its India pale ale to Ontario and Western Canada in the late 1990s. Beer drinkers
2: loved it. So, you know, it was lager, lager, lager for a long time. Then it became lager, lager, light lager. <laughs> and then it became lager, lager, light lager ale with, uh, with Keese. Then came the explosion of different beer flavors.
0: Labatt could have been worried. The craft brewers were courting their customers. But Kyle says the company looked at the phenomenon as a good thing.
2: I think it's been a big stimulant, and quite frankly, it's also, you know, for some of the uh, larger breweries like Labatt, uh, it's upped our game completely, right? So it's given us the kick in the butt, if you will, in terms of innovation. I really think the years of a 12-pack versus a 24-pack is not an innovation, (laughs) And, you know, I think probably part of that, you know, which we again stimulated with with our own brands has really forced us to really think differently about our brands and think differently about consumer preferences.
0: So some people would say there's been a lot of success on the craft brewing side. Do you see an equal amount of success on the big brewery side? You talk about innovation. What type of innovation would you say has been spurred as a result of what the craft brewers have brought to the table?
2: You know, if you think in in terms of flavor innovation, Bud Light Lime was a phenomena. (laughs) Uh, You know, back in, I think Canada was 2009. I think it launched in the U.S. in 08, if I remember correctly. It was a great example of who would have thunk it, you know, beer with lime in it. And, you know, I remember my my family calling me from Winnipeg, Manitoba saying, any chance you can get me a 12-pack of Bud Light Lime? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like people were lined up. Uh, trying to get it so you know it's some of the innovation again you know you could argue that again beer with flavors or different ingredients and that kind of thing may have been spurred on by you know the craft sort of evolution but I think you know big brands like Bud Light Lime is a great example of a brand that really changed the game in terms of what flavored beer can sort of be and today is a huge uh, huge brand in the marketplace.
0: Bud Light Lime was just the start of Labatt's efforts to combat the rising sales of craft beer. Now, they and parent company AB InBev also own Shock Top. The brand looks like it comes from a microbrewery. It's got fun flavors and cool packaging. Shock Top's logo features an orange slice wearing shades and a wild hairdo. In this online ad, the Shock Top orange slice, aka Wedgehead, is transformed into an animated billboard. Wedgehead can be pretty cheeky.
2: It's hard to miss me. I'm 40 feet tall. One loogie
3: would probably take you out. Got that Canadian tuxedo. My man, you are stonewashed times three. What's up, girl? What's the matter? you never been hit on by a billboard before.
0: <laughs> Some beer drinkers have criticized the Shock Top marketing strategy. They say Shock Top tried to brand itself as an independent craft beer, but it's actually owned by one of the world's largest brewers. In 2014, Toronto beer blogger Ben T. Johnson accused Labatt of creating a, quote, misleading campaign For Shock Top. But do beer drinkers actually care who makes their beer?
2: I really don't think it matters. Uh, Well, it's not that it doesn't matter, but I think it could go either way. In one sense, you know, obviously Labatt has been a company brewing beer for generations. It's a trusted mark. So on that side, there's probably a lot of people that would like to know that, uh, you know, one of the most successful Canadian companies is actually behind it. On the other side, you know, I think these brands, especially a brand like Shock Top, has taken its own identity that, you know, there's no reason to bog that down with trying to complicate things on who makes that brand or not.
0: Labatt's strategy of acquiring more independent brewers continued in 2015. It bought Mill Street Brewery and then went after the parent company of Stanley Park Brewing, Mike's Hard Lemonade, Okanagan Cider. The list continues. Some of those breweries have gotten so big they aren't considered craft anymore. Take Mill Street, for example. Labatt promised to invest $10 million into the company's existing operations. After the takeover, Ontario craft brewers no longer classified Mill Street as an independent craft brewer and removed the brand from its membership.
2: The opportunity that comes to a craft brewery like Mill Street is money, scale, things that can actually open up capacity within themselves to continue to do what they're really good at. So next thing you know, the capacity that we had at Mill Street, like they're bursting at the seams. Well, we have the capital and the investments to go in to help in order to open up time, space, for them to continue to innovate.
0: Labatt wasn't the only big brewer to buy one of its smaller competitors. Moosehead bought Hop City and Anheuser-Busch snatched up Goose Island. Molson owns Granville Island Brewing and Cremor Springs. So, can a craft brewer maintain its independence after it's been swallowed up by a major brand?
3: There's nothing wrong with us saying, yeah, you know, we are now part of a bigger organization. However, everything you've come to love with us as a small local craft brewery has been retained. That's Bill McKenzie, the CEO of Wild Rose Brewery in Alberta.
0: Sleeman's acquired Wild Rose earlier this year. More on that after the break.
1: This podcast was made possible through the support of Fidelity Investments. All over the world, Fidelity Investments is looking for inspired investment opportunities to help you make the most of your hard earned money. Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca/slash stay ahead for valuable investment tools and their latest insights.
0: As we've established, craft beer sales in Canada are booming. But craft only represents 6% of overall beer sales in this country. Beer sales in Canada are relatively flat. They rose by less than 1% last year to $9.2 billion. In October, Molson announced plans to lay off up to 500 workers. The company is being restructured so it can speed up the introduction of new products like canned wine and hard coffee into the market. Analysts, like this one on CNBC, think young people are the reason for the stagnation. I blame the millennials, frankly, because they don't Uh. like to drink the beer. (laughs) They like their craft cocktails with their avocado toast, and (laughs) they don't have that. That's the problem. Studies show Gen Z drinks even less than millennials, and some consumers as a whole are edging away from beer in favor of healthier drinks. While all this was happening, Sleemans decided to purchase Wild Rose Brewery in Calgary. Bill McKenzie is Wild Rose's CEO. He's worked in the beer industry for more than 30 years. Bill's previous employers include Molson, Coors, and Guinness. He started noticing the success of small
3: breweries about 20 years ago. Bill remembers there was a lot of buzz in the industry. It was one meeting where we were referred to as ankle biters, uh, that, you know, don't worry about them, they'll go away. Um, But that didn't last long. That was very short-lived. Then craft beer sales exploded
0: in the U.S., and the Canadian brewers took notice. So they had to innovate. Bill
3: says the initial response was to make it harder for small brewers to get shelf space. What we've seen is that next thing you know, there's four packs, six packs, eight packs, 12 packs, 15 packs, 18 packs, a whole bunch of different packs, which at that time would take up a lot of shelf space, which would prevent new breweries, small breweries, craft breweries from getting that shelf space. Another was getting an understanding of you know what craft breweries are being successful, and then coming up with some brands that maybe are similar to it, and then do a deep discount on that brand and try to get the consumers that, let's say, bought a fruit-based beer to go and try a bigger uh, macro brewery's version of it. Depending on the market, some
0: microbreweries managed to survive. Wild Rose Brewery was one of them. Bill says when Sleeman's called
3: and asked if Wild Rose would like to form a partnership, it wasn't a quick decision. Uh, it was well over a year of getting to know each other and then about seven months of due diligence. We took a while to answer that one because we really enjoyed being a part of the Wild Rose Brewery and the story and everything that, that we've been a part of for so many years. The um, initial feedback was, sure, but it's not just about valuation. It's about our people and it's about our brand. And as long as our people and our brand our priorities of the new company, of their amalgamated company, then, yeah, let's continue on with these conversations. Bill points out that being acquired doesn't mean Wild Rose's quality has been compromised. In Alberta, we were the first one that was uh, acquired by a bigger brewery but for the right reasons. We've never been for sale, but this ended up to be an opportunity for our brands to partner up with what we consider a great, a great partner and a partner that's gonna help us, uh, you know, continue doing what we're doing, but maybe with a bit more efficiencies from the scale. But, you know, I think the magic is is gonna be continue some independence when it comes to brewing and making some innovation decisions and uh, your sales and marketing side of, of staying, you know, local, uh, staying independent as much as you can. But at the end of the day, we have to stay authentic. Speaking of authentic, here's Alicia
0: McDonald from Port Rexton explaining her beer naming strategy. There's no boardroom or a marketing team.
1: Yeah, naming the beer is is the fun part, right? That's uh, another difference between uh, the little guys and the big guys. So what we typically do to name our beers is, um, you know, if we don't have a name going into the brew, we usually sit down and drink it afterwards, and eventually the ideas will fly. We like to say that no good ideas were formed over salad. They're always formed over a beer. Blue Steel is obviously, it's a sour beer. It's a reference from Zoolander. So it's one of his faces he does, one of his model faces. Sweater Weather is a nice uh, double IPA that we do. So uh, 7.6%. So it's a nice uh, warm-y-up sort of thing. And uh, Mr. Weedy Pants was a play, play on words with McBoat um, McBoatface, where they left it out to the internet to, to name the Greenpeace boat.
0: Some of those beers are made with local salt from the Newfoundland Salt Company. And it appears the idea caught the attention of one of Port Rexton's big rivals. Molson recently announced a partnership with the same salt company. It includes a $50,000 grant and an opportunity to collaborate.
1: We know Robin and uh, Pete, the owners of Newfoundland Salt Company, quite well. And you know that you can't blame them for taking you know a $50,000 grant money, right? It's, it's free money, they're a small business, they're trying to get going as well. We are a little bit concerned that their partnership with Molson could potentially knock us out of the way. I wouldn't be surprised if Molson decided to collaborate with them in that way. You know, saying if, if we're going to partner with you and, and provide you the funds to do this, you have to, you know, eliminate all ties with other craft breweries. So, you know, it hasn't come to that yet. I, I, we haven't heard anything from them um, within that respect, but it, you know, it does kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of, you know, rub us the wrong way. Despite the competition,
0: Port Rexton is still going strong. The same can be said for the brewers Labatt bought in 2015 and 2016. Even Labatt president Kyle Norrington admits his rivals make some pretty good beer.
2: 2005, a competitive beer never touched my lips. And uh, I've, I've grown up a little bit and realized that it's important to experiment and to learn myself. Maybe that's maturity, maybe it's my job's changed a little bit but it's really important. You know, there are a lot of great people making great beer out there. And uh, I'm a beer lover, so it's important to ensure that I sort of taste around a little bit.
0: Equal opportunity beer drinker. I feel you, Kyle. Thanks for listening to this episode of Industry Interrupted. I'm Sean Stanley. Industry Interrupted is produced by Tara Deschamps, Laura Riguerre, Anne Lang, and Stephanie Chan. Thank you to our sponsor, Fidelity Investments.